Hey, what's going on? It's Sean and the Word. So in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the Passion Week of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you know I'm gonna focus on two two days: the the coming into Jerusalem, the, what we would call the triumphant entry, and we're gonna look at the the Gospel of Luke and how he kind of conveys that, and then the crucifixion, the cross, and uh, we're gonna look at John chapter 19. To, to glean from that and the reason why I, I looked at those two bookends and I would like to share those two bookends is because yesterday me and my son was able to sit down he's four years old and to tell you about you know this sounds kind of young but uh tell you about my son and what I really what God has put in my heart to how to raise my children I'm in ministry we're always involved in doing ministry and helping others and giving and preaching and doing for other people and uh, what I don't want is for my children, my sons, I have two sons, I don't want them to get caught up in the religious activities or this is what dad does or this is what dad's involved in and re- or even have an understanding of scripture or understanding of God or religion and but but not really know the presence of the Lord. And so even from a young age that my children, when they came out of the womb, I really honed in on the presence of God through prayer, allowing, walking with them and holding them and really allowing them to understand what it's like to be in God's presence, what it's like to come to him, what it's like to, to really look to him and, and understand what he's about to do in that moment. And saying that, uh, my, my son and I, my four-year-old, watched the, the Passion of the Christ yesterday. And uh, I know for some that's a little, it's a rated R but I've you know, been witnessing to my son for many, many years, and he really understands the Jesus cross. And uh, I think it was appropriate at that time, the Lord really put it on my heart, to just let him watch it. And, you know, my son, he's active. He's a, he's a go-getter. He rarely ever just sits and watches anything, but pretty much that entire movie, he, he sat there and watched it. And uh, it just broke my heart for him to have to see it. He had a lot of questions throughout, and I... I tenderized it as much as I could, but it's reality. You know, he needs to see that Jesus did that for him. So when we were eating dinner last night, I asked him, I said, you know, did you learn anything today? And he said, yes, sir. And I said, what's that? And he said, Jesus died on a cross. And I said, well, who did he die for? And he said, for me, daddy, and for you and for everybody that loves him. I said, that's right, son. I said, why? Why would he do that? And he put his head down. And he lifted his head back up and he said, because he loves us so much. And I just, this is a four-year-old boy with a lot going on, cars, this and that, dirt, <laughs> to grasp the simplicity of the gospel, to grasp the, the depth of God's love for us so much that he would send his son Jesus to come and die on the cross for our sins that that's just that's just pretty powerful and i think we need to unpack some of that and uh the triumphal entry the way that luke uh has it the way that luke records the the triumphal entry is pretty powerful that you know jesus tells his disciples to go into the town and grab a a a donkey which no one has ever sat on and he asked the if the owner was to ask anything say hey the lord needs it at once and Man, the disciples go and they do exactly what Jesus said. They go and 
grab the donkey and sure enough here comes the owner the owner says hey what are you doing with that and they just say to him hey the lord needs it and i remember reading the max licato book several years ago and how max licato says that everybody has a donkey everybody has something that god has entrusted to them or something that they possess or even a talent or a gift or ability that if you had just surrendered to him and say hey the lord wants it the lord god wants to use it they got to use it and, and use it for his glory and so Jesus takes that, that donkey, they, put, they take their coats off, they lay it on it, they, they put the, the coats and garments in the, on the road to, from Bethan, Bethany and Bethpage down to Jerusalem, and they begin to, to usher Jesus in, and, and palm branches, they would wave him back and forth and singing and shouting, it was a ruckus, it was a ruckus for the crowd. And the crowd was just being really loud. And it says in verse 37, a whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. They had saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. They, some of them probably have seen him do miracles that, you know, was mind-blowing, overwhelming. They've heard him. They have saw what he did. And they were expecting to him to come into Jerusalem, as most scholars would say, and he was coming to set up his throne. Uh, the Pharisees that was with them, boy, they didn't like the praising. They didn't like the worship, and they didn't like the exaltation. And so what they did is they told the told Jesus in verse 39 of Luke's gospel, Luke 19, 39, he says, hey, rebuke them, make them shut up, make them stop. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what the enemy has always wanted to do from the beginning of time is to silence the people of God from worship. The first thing that goes when we're in a warfare, in battle, spiritual attacks, is we, we look to hang up our harp, our mouths, our mouths and our songs remain silent. We, as the children of Israel, when they went to Babylon, it says they hung their harps up on the, on the rivers of Babylon. How can we sing a song of Zion in a foreign land? And that's really what happens sometimes. We feel like the only time that we could sing or praise God is when we're on the mountaintop, when things are good, when things are, are overly, abundantly blessed. And we feel like that's the only time that we could praise God. And the enemy wants us to feel like that and think like that. God is worthy of praise and worthy of worship. And the disciples and those who were following them were worshiping because of what they saw or what they thought thought they knew it was the temporal little did they know what was about to take place you know us for 2,000 years later we understand the full story we understand how the week ends we understand that he came to give his life as a ransom for many we comprehend it and even in the midst of COVID-19 how in the world could we remain silent how in the world can we not be people of worship and praise our house is filled with adoration for the Lord, for he is worthy. And so Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, if they be silent, the rocks will cry out. The rocks would scream out on their behalf, praise and adoration for, for God Almighty. Hallelujah. And so Jesus throughout the week, he goes into Jerusalem and goes throughout the week going back and forth from, from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem and you know, there's a pretty eventful week of teaching and preaching and being amongst the people, being examined. And then you get to the, the, 
the betrayal, you know, that you have the Passover, the Lord's, what we would call the Lord's Supper, that, that night of betrayal from Judas. Judas betrays Jesus, uh, and, and, and Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin and before Pilate. And in chapter 19 of, of John's gospel, Pilate, after a time of examining, it says that Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. We understand what that means. It, it means a beaten, beaten beyond recognition. As my son and I sat there and watched that passion of the Christ yesterday, the torment, the torture that he endured, the scourging. I've heard a lot of people say that it was probably worse than what we were had to withstand in, in that movie. It was, it was overwhelming. It's mind-boggling how the blood of the king of kings, the blood of the one who who created the heavens and the earth, just filled the streets of Jerusalem, splattered amongst the soldiers that was beating them and, and doing what they did. And then it says that after that, they, they came and presented Jesus again, and then they took Jesus and they had him crucified. They put him on a cross. And... Uh, Verse 30, it says, after being on the cross in Mark's gospel, it goes by the by the hour, which I like. It kind of slows everything down to its almost exact time. And it goes from the, the, the third hour to the sixth hour to the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, he cried with a loud voice, is what Mark's gospel says. And that loud voice is recorded in John chapter 19, verse 30, where Jesus utters, It is finished. I want to tell you all the way throughout history, uh, throughout scriptural history and, and God's calendar, there's always been a day of the Lord, a day of the Lord, a day of the Lord. They're always, they're all, God always looks, you know, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. There was always a, a moment where God was going to deal with sin one day. And I know with this COVID-19 and everything that we're dealing with and how we're being isolated, we never would have thought in a million years that things could turn upside down in one day. Or in the case of the cross, right side up. See, what Jesus did on that cross, it says in, in Zechariah, it says that, that, it, that on that day there will be this rock, and there not rock would be seven eyes. And I, and I love that prophecy because it means so much. A seven I seven is an idea of perfection, and it means that those from behind will look to it, and those from that goes before it will look to it. So the past will look to it, and the future will look back to that one moment, that one moment, that one day on Golgotha, where Jesus simply accomplished everything that we would ever need. It is finished. It is finished. If anybody in this history of humanity ever had a song or a time that they should praise and worship, it should be the people of God, those who have been forgiven. And if you're listening to this and if you've never been born again, Jesus said that if you would believe in him, that you would have everlasting life. He knows your heart. He knows where you've been. He knows everything that you're about. And if you would just confess your sins and invite him to come in and to be Lord of your life, the Bible says that he would not only forgive you, but he would give himself to you in a new birth and give you life for everlasting, make you his. But believer, 
Just like how my son, uh, four years old, recognized the simplicity of the gospel, so should we. He did this for you, for me. He did this because he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Never forget that. Just how COVID-19 turned the world upside down in one day. 2,000 years ago on a cross outside of the gates of Jerusalem on Calvary. One man, the Son of God, turned everything right side up for those who believe. Not just for, for weeks or months, but for eternity. Oh Lord, you are more than enough. God, I pray that even now, those who are listening, Lord, that they would be reminded today, God, that the cross is bigger than any problem they would ever have. The cross is bigger than any issue they would ever endure. The cross is much grander than even our current circumstances. For the cross has passed us from this life to eternity with you, Lord. And we are so grateful. May we be like Paul and Silas, Lord, in the midnight hours. Still have a song because of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done. Bless your people, Lord, in abundance with your presence even now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all the way, and thank you for listening. See you next time.